From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. Israel's government has agreed to a four-day ceasefire with Hamas in exchange for the release of 50 hostages held in Gaza, but promises to push ahead with military operations after the pause ends. The agreement falls short of the total ceasefire that protesters have been calling for. In Australia, the government has found itself delicately balancing its support for Israel with its concern over the civilian death toll from the war. So, is the government striking the right balance, or is it equivocating? Today, Chief Political Correspondent for the Saturday Paper, Karen Middleton, on the protests, the parliament and the challenges facing Foreign Minister Penny Wong. It's Thursday, November 23. It's by far the UK's biggest demonstration since the start of the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. Organizers of this rally called for people to flood Brooklyn for Gaza, and that's exactly what they did. Gathering on the steps of... For the Republic, against anti-Semitism, tens of thousands of people set off from Paris's Place des Invalides to protest against a rise in anti-Semitic acts in the country. Hundreds of thousands of people, many travelling from other parts of the UK demanding an end to the killing. Karen, we're seeing huge protests about the war in the Middle East every weekend across Australia and in cities all over the world. How significant is this moment? Well, I think these are the biggest protests, Ange, that we've seen since the invasion of Iraq in 2003. I do think it's a slightly different atmosphere around these protests, and that is because There are so many Australians who are deeply personally invested in this issue that the events that are going on in the Middle East on all sides of the conflict. Outside Parliament House last week, we had a group of pro-Palestinian protesters on one day, a group of pro-Israeli protesters the next day, highlighting the missing hostages who were taken when Hamas attacked Israel on the 7th of October. There are mass protests in favour of a ceasefire and concerned for the plight of civilians in this conflict, and those numbers are enormous and the protests are happening weekend after weekend. So people are very engaged and they're making their voices and their concerns heard. A lot of the pro-Palestinian protesters are calling for a ceasefire and are getting extremely upset at what they're seeing on their television. In the Jewish community, People report that they feel unsafe, that they feel that the level of aggression and anxiety and upset around this conflict is such that it is making them afraid to go out. So there's just a heightened level of anxiety in Australia at the moment. Yeah, so Karen, there is a lot of talk about how high tension and anxiety is in the community at the moment, and some people are experiencing it firsthand. How are we seeing that unfold? Well, aside from the large, more peaceful protests that we've seen, we are seeing increasing levels of uh, aggression and agitation in the public demonstrations of people's anxiety at what is now a a full-blown conflict in the Middle East. The Director-General of ASIO, the domestic spy agency, warned people to be careful about the way they express their views and passions in this conflict because Language can incite violence, and while ASIO had not seen an indication of any planned 
political violence as a result of what's happening in the Middle East, it could happen quickly. So he was pleading with people in public life in particular to take extreme care with the way they are engaging. I spoke to a range of parliamentarians through last week who are extremely concerned about the impact of this whole issue on community relations, the sense that both the Jewish and the Muslim communities report rising levels of violent, aggressive language and prejudice, and that this has to somehow be abated. So this is getting now extremely confrontational. Members of parliament report their offices being vandalised and graffitied. Some MPs have had fake bodies put outside in protest at what's happening in Gaza at the moment. I think there was concern that this became a very direct potential point of conflict. People are very conscious about what they say, how they say it, where they go. In Parliament last week, Liberal MP Julian Lisa from New South Wales, who is Jewish, wore his kippah in the Parliament for the first time ever. And he said that he did that deliberately to say to the Jewish Australians that they should be proud to be Jewish and that he wanted to represent their faith at a time when they were fearful and when many people were reluctant to wear symbols of their faith in public because of concern about what that might provoke. There are also prominent Muslim members of the government, uh, Ed Husick from New South Wales and Anne Ali from Western Australia. Both of them spoke out strongly without authorization, I might add, about the humanitarian dimensions of this conflict and the need to consider and protect innocent uh, Palestinians. Uh, Tony Burke, a senior member and who was close to the Prime Minister from New South Wales, he has an electorate that has a lot of Muslim constituents. He also spoke out about the need to emphasise humanitarian dimension in relation to the attacks on Gaza. So there's a real sense, and there was in the sitting week of last week, that this is really on a knife edge, even here in Australia. Mm. And obviously the public discourse around this is very precarious. You know, every public comment runs the risk of further inflaming tensions or inciting violence even, and our political leaders must be aware of that. How much pressure do you think they're under to get their response to this right? Well, I think the government in particular is under enormous pressure Governments always have to be careful with their language when they're dealing with a, a conflict like this that is a moving conflict, but this one has particular depth and resonance and history that makes it even more sensitive and volatile. The government is trying to express solidarity with Israel over an atrocious, appalling terrorist attack that occurred on the 7th of October, but equally to emphasise that Israel's response to that attack, while justified in a military sense, they argue, because of what occurred, must adhere to the principles of international law. Now, those attempts at walking the middle ground are injecting themselves into a community where, because so many people are so deeply engaged, they are only hearing the parts that uh, they connect with. So it's more and more difficult for governments that are trying to speak to two opposing communities effectively or two communities that are struggling to find middle ground without each side of them hearing too much in favour of the other and not enough in favour of themselves. And I think that's where the government has really been struggling. 
to find that middle ground, to be engaging diplomatically, so talking about the international dimensions of the conflict in a fair and factual way, while also speaking to the Australian community and trying to hold a fracturing community together. With the heightened community sentiment and the need for careful diplomacy is making this a real powder keg. Coming up after the break, Karen Middleton asks Foreign Minister Penny Wong how she's navigating the government's response to the war. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Karen, the war in the Middle East has sparked tensions among communities here in Australia, but it's also become a key political issue for the government. You know, how they're talking about it and how they're responding to it is highly scrutinised. You spoke with Foreign Minister Penny Wong about this. How does she grapple with these tensions? She told me and how conscious she was of the levels of connection in the community to these events in the Middle East, and she's described it as being refracted into the Australian community. And she said that's happening in a very profound way and for a whole lot of communities in Australia. And Penny Wong said it's visceral. She's very conscious of that as she tries to frame the government's responses. The government also makes the point that it doesn't have direct influence on the events in the Middle East. While it has close ties to countries that do have more influence, The positions and the words of Australia are not necessarily going to change the course of the conflict. Nevertheless, Australia and other countries always consider their positions diplomatically and the way that they might be perceived, and I think that's what's happening here. Penny Wong is obviously not happy with the position that Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, and the coalition have taken and that the pressure they are seeking to apply at a political level on the government. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister. Prime Minister, the Foreign Minister yesterday claimed that Israel, in carrying out its defensive war against terror group Hamas, is breaching international law and should undertake a ceasefire. Is this the government's position? Call to the Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, The transcript uh, of yesterday's interview said that she did not say that. What the Foreign Minister spoke about was perfectly consistent. So that's a point of great debate, and that is at the heart of all the calls for a ceasefire. The word ceasefire itself is contentious because the question then arises, well, what does that mean? Is it one side stopping the attacking or is it both sides? A week or so ago, Penny Wong said that the government favoured steps towards a ceasefire. Now, she spelt that out as involving 
firstly, the release of the Israeli hostages that Hamas is holding, and then the end of firing on either sides with a view to negotiating a more permanent resolution. Now, that attracted controversy. The coalition suggested she was again calling for Israel to stop without calling for Hamas to stop, and she emphasised she wasn't doing that. But it just shows you that there have been these changes in language, but Penny Wong insists no change in the policy position the government has taken. Right, and that isn't the only criticism Penny Wong has faced, is it? She's also been pressed on why the government isn't calling for a total ceasefire. What has she said in response to that? So uh, Penny Wong's also facing strong criticism from the left flank, from the other side of politics, particularly in the Senate, from the Greens being accused of not doing enough to defend the Palestinian civilian population and to demand or put pressure on other countries that the fighting cease. The Labour government is seeing a child being killed every 10 minutes but won't call for a ceasefire. Happy to talk weasel words, but weasel words are not going to stop war crimes. You can't even bring yourselves... And there have been some pretty heated clashes in the Senate between Senator Wong and Maureen Faruqi from the Greens and others making that point. I think shaking our heads in here, um, like the minister is doing, and, and not actually taking the action that you have the power to take, is not going to move us to any steps towards a ceasefire. And we don't need steps towards a ceasefire. As you take those steps... People are being murdered every single day. And in response, you know, a very frustrated and exasperated, I think, Penny Wong was pleading that this not be pushed into two separate camps. This is not a binary debate. This is a deeply difficult, tragic, uh, complex debate. Uh, which has a- arguing that social cohesion is crucial and that the parliamentary debate should be mindful of that. Uh, well, that was um, a, a, a quite a inflammatory contribution. It was a hurtful contribution to suggest that, uh, that the only person in this chamber who cares about the loss of life is Senator Faruqi. That is not the case. So within the government and the broader parliament... It's an extremely difficult issue to manage, both to service the electorates and try and hold the the community together and, and do what they believe is faithfully representing the issue um, at a national level. Mm. And finally, Karen, these weekly protests that we talked about before will likely go on. What will be expected of the government in these coming weeks in their response to the war, both in you know, how it responds to the conflict itself, but also how it responds to these tensions at home. Well, the government is continuing to look at this at a number of levels. It's looking at its diplomatic role. It's looking beyond the horizon to the Middle East region and to where it might be able to exert influence in defence of the minimisation of civilian casualties, the release of hostages, and some progress towards something that resolves this violence at this point. And then there's the question of what happens beyond that. And uh, there are a lot of people trying to work out where the next stage is and how uh, countries like Australia might contribute to that. And then they have to look at the situation at home. The first job of every government is to make 
people safe in their own country and they also have to feel safe. It's a challenge for every government and I think this government is mindful of how it does that. The parliament will be sitting again next week and so the political pressure will be on again. There are petitions being handed forward from the public demanding a ceasefire and the government has to traverse those pressures and find a public position that addresses the issues in a way the community expects. And for as long as the violence continues in the Middle East and the guns do not fall silent, those pressures will continue and the government has to find a way through. Karen, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Ange. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, 23 pro-Palestinian protesters have been charged by New South Wales Police for refusing to move on during a protest on Tuesday evening in Port Botany. The activists were calling for a boycott of Zim, an Israeli-owned shipping company. Green Senator David Shoebridge said he has deep concerns about New South Wales Police's response to the protest, which included a riot squad and mounted police. And former Liberal staffer Bruce Lerman has settled his defamation claim against the ABC for broadcasting a speech last year by Brittany Higgins. Bruce Lerman is now pursuing defamation action against Channel 10 and Lisa Wilkinson, for airing an interview with Brittany Higgins about her alleged rape in Parliament House, which Bruce Lerman has always denied. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.